privilege of having um, a number of thankful people in my life that were mentors of sorts. Um, one person was, was my grandmother. She, uh, she threw out her life. I, I, re I remember this. Uh, anytime you would ask her, so, so Grandma, how, how are you doing? Her response invariably was, I'm thankful. That was what she said. That was just her, her response, no matter what the situation was. I'm thankful. I remember having another mentor that used to talk to me about a particular um, spiritual exercise, spiritual discipline in which he engaged, um, where in every Saturday morning, he would get up and he would make himself a cup of coffee and he would recall to mind very deliberately 10 things for which he was thankful. The first thing was always the cup of coffee. <laughs> and then he would go, or, and he would go for a walk, you know, there were, you know, a, 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 like a few blocks or, around where he lived, and then he would come back, he would make himself another cup of coffee, and he would recall three things, uh, or rather 10 more things for which he was thankful. Um, the first of those was the second cup of coffee, and then he would get up and he would do another sort of circuit of the block. And then he would finally come back and for the third time he would recall 10 things for which he was thankful. The first was always that third cup of coffee. Uh, and that was a spiritual exercise in which he engaged. Things that he, he deliberately did in his life to, to foster as a spiritual discipline thankfulness. Um, and we're going to look together at one of the great thanksgiving prayers from Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 20. Um, if you're not sure where uh, Chronicles is in your Bible, uh, it's about a quarter of the way in. If you just sort of open a quarter of the way in, you'll, there's Samuel, Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Um, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, once you hit that, you've sort of gone too far. Chronicles, okay? First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 20. And uh, I'm going to read these, these verses aloud right now. And if you are able, uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as, we are, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. 
O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers, and they bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. Thus far, the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Um, the book of, of, of 1 Chronicles and the books of, of Samuel, 2 Samuel, and a goodish chunk of, of 1 Samuel as well, chronicle the, the life of David. Um, but they don't even really double up on a whole lot of things. They come at it from different kinds of angles. The book of Samuel, um, well, Samuel, to whom the books, 1 and 2 Samuel, are attributed, was a prophet. And so not surprisingly, he looks at the reign of David from a prophetic perspective and to a lesser degree, a, a sort of political one. But, but First Chronicles, however, was written by a priest, traditionally thought to be Ezra, um, and it examines the life of David from more of a, a, a priestly, ecclesiastical sort of perspective. Um, and the passage we're looking at today, again, these are the words of David. David is, is one of the central figures of the Old Testament and in Jewish history. David's... Um, <laughs> David's was an interesting path, to say the least. Uh, the guy was, was really, he was all over the vocational map. Um, he was at different times in his life, um, a shepherd, a soldier, a minstrel, an exile, a poet, and a king. Um, and these were among the last words spoken by David. They're certainly the last words recorded in the book of Chronicles. And, and just so you have an idea of the, of the sort of immediate context of what's going on here, David had wanted to build a temple to God's glory where the Israelites could worship God. Um, you know, a worshiper to his core, uh, it jarred on him that he himself, as king of Israel by this time, he lived in this sort of fabulously appointed palace um, while the worship of God was taking place in a tent, a rather elaborate one, but, it, you know, it's a tent. Um, God, however, had told him that the temple was not his to create. Rather, it would be David's son Solomon who would build the temple. But David, however, so keen to be a part of this process, so anxious to, to make an offering to God in this way, to make the praises of God glorious, he, he has given deeply, both from his own personal wealth and from the royal treasury, um, he's given towards this pro project gold and, and other precious metals and all sorts of precious stones and masonry and wood. And, and the other leaders of Israel, um, they respond in kind too, giving generously of their possessions to the, to the project, much 
to the delight of all of the people. And uh, David then responds to all of this generosity from the people with this prayer. Um, <clears throat> so let's just take a minute and, 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 and look at it a little bit closer. It says, David prayed, praised the Lord in the presence of the assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, O, o, o God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. David begins by acknowledging the greatness of God and that all things owe their existence to God. He notes, too, the fact that the very existence of the nation of Israel is only because God chose them, because God called them. It was not due to any merit they themselves possessed. It was that God had called them. And then in this prayer, David, too, acknowledges that everything that they had, everything that we have, comes from God. The fact that we can be followers of God stems only from the fact that, that he has given us grace to respond to his, to his calling on our lives. And then going on, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on the earth are like a shadow without hope. O oh Lord, our God, as for this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. Even our capacity to give comes from God. David, David clearly considers it a tremendous honor to be able to participate in God's work. And, and even the capacity, he recognizes that even the capacity to give is gift from God. And when, when, when we give as followers of God, whether it's in the offering here or, or opportunities like we had today to participate um, and, 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 and help with Share and Youth Unlimited, or whether it's giving to needy friends and family, or, or any of a variety of worthy charities, or, or even just sharing some coins with a panhandler on the street, we are participating in God's work of blessing the world, and that is gift. That is God's gift to us. The opportunity to participate in his world and to be a blessing, to share in his good work. And then the eternal nature of God, too, here is, is contrasted with the fleeting nature of the lives of people. And what, what David is trying to, 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 he's communicating to God his understanding of the fact that, that if anything is to be of lasting value, it needs to be rooted in God's unchanging character. And also, again, we have the recognition on the part of David that he has personally, that all, everything he has personally and everything that Israel has as a nation comes from God. And then he goes on toward the end. I know, my God, that you test the heart 
and are pleased with integrity. All of these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. A prayer um, appealing to God's faithfulness in the past that those who followed after him would remain faithful in faithful, grateful relationship with the God who sustains us. A desire that he would he would be able to share this gift of gratitude with those who would come after, and in particular with his son Solomon. A desire that all who followed after, as the people of God, would be grateful people, would exercise and practice thanksgiving. You know what, before we even go on, let's... let's um, Can we just take a minute? Um, I mean, we, we, we sort of shared before with, with the people right beside us, but can we just take a minute as, as a body gathered here today to express our thanks to God? Just, it doesn't have to be a, a big to-do, but maybe even just out loud. Let's, let's just uh, take turns and, and just speak out the words Lord, I am thankful because, and, and fill, fill in, in the blank. Let's just take a moment, okay? We won't, we won't, this won't be forever, but let's just take a moment and, and, and pray to God in gratitude.
Um, Lord, we, we, could, we could probably go on for, forever because even as, as Rochelle prayed earlier, your mercies are new every morning. Um, we can't exhaust your praise. We can't exhaust the greatness of your character and the, and the, and the magnificent glory of your mercy and grace to us. And so we say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Um, just a few thoughts on this, on this passage, particularly as they pertain to us on this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, there's there's kind of lots in here, but allow me just to, to share a few things as I've been reflecting on this passage this week. Um, first of all, the fact that, that, that a heart filled with thanksgiving is a way to keep us fixed on worshiping God and offering him praise. Um, throughout the scripture, we find examples of this. We find godly men and women who would make a practice of, of rehearsing the goodness of God. Um, this is one of the reasons that people in the Bible were, were being told by God, instructed by God to erect monuments. Um, it, was, it was one of the reasons that God instituted feasts and celebrations as a regular part of the calendar for his people. He wanted us to remember his goodness. <laughs> I, I don't know about the rest of you, but um, I know that for me it can be really easy to get bogged down with the problems of my right now. Um, so bogged down, uh, in fact, that I can forget the, the overwhelmingly overarching theme of God's goodness to me and his grace in my life. Um, that's why I think things like, like journey, journaling as a, as a spiritual discipline can be so helpful. It can, it can serve as a means by which I can keep the, the true nature of God um, ever before me, allowing me to live in the light of, of that reality and enabling me to, to fittingly respond with worship and providing me with, as, as the hymn says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that it's, it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. And so we are called to be a thankful people. Um, second, a heart filled with thanksgiving, as we see in this passage, is a tremendous legacy to offer those over whom we have influence spiritually. David desperately wanted for his son Solomon, and you can hear this in the prayer, he desperately wanted for his son Solomon to live in close relationship with God. That was his prayer for his son, wholehearted devotion to God. That's what he wanted for him. And, and for, just about, for just about everyone in this room, um, there are those over whom we have influence, whom we would love to see following God. Um, you know, for me as, as a dad, my, my kids are kind of the first ones that, that come to my mind. But for all of us, um, you know, if you're over the age of 12, there are people who are looking to you some way, in some way as an example, someone over whom you exert some influence. And for those of us who, who know God, we want to see people, we want to see these people develop their, their own relationships with God. 
And being people of, of gratitude is one of the best ways to do this. Thanks, Thanksgiving, much like its opposite, complaining, um, is contagious. You know, when I'm around thankful people, I, I find myself, I find myself, oh, oh yeah, I'm thankful for that too. Or, or, oh, I'm thankful for this, you know, in response to their being thankful. Uh, and likewise, when I'm around complaining people, I find it easy to, to, get, to get sucked down that spiral too. But we all have people over whom we have the opportunity to, to exert influence and to help them become people of gratitude. I remember once I was, I, was teaching at a, um, I was teaching at a worship conference once, and a pastor asked me if he thought, um, if I thought that, you know, all pastors should learn to play an instrument. And I said, why, yes, of course, because everybody should learn to play an instrument. <laughs> I was just joking. I just think, no, well, anyway, that's another thing. <laughs> but I, I, said, I, said, I said to him, it, it, I, I thought he was joking at first, but, but it, it, as he continued to talk, I realized that it came from a deep desire to be able to lead his congregation in thanksgiving to God. Now, I don't think that he should necessarily have to be able to play an instrument, but I think that we as, as, as people who exercise some influence over people we need to be uh, confident and able to lead others under our, under our spiritual influence in acts of thanksgiving and praise. Whether it's, you know, as a, a pastor, whether it's as a small group leader, whether it's as a parent, an older sibling, um, we need to develop these, this facility uh, to to praise God and to give thanks and to exercise the, that kind of influence. It's an opportunity to, to give a tremendous legacy that we can offer to those over whom we have influence. Um, and the, th the third thing um, is that thanksgiving is an appropriate response in all situations. Um, we see this very much in the life of David. I mean, I mentioned already that vocationally David was kind of all over the map, but the reality was that um, that was not the only way in which David's life was filled with lots of ups and downs. Um, his life was really a bit of a roller coaster. Um, you know, he was invited, he was anointed to become king at a relatively young age, but then he had to wait a huge long time before he actually became king. And then even so, for a while, things were starting to look good for him, you know, the whole Goliath episode and all sorts of other military successes. But then Saul, his predecessor to the throne, began to get jealous, and so David finds himself an, an, an exile and a fugitive and an outlaw in his own country. You know, and then he eventually does become king, but it's not long after that that he finds his entire family has been kidnapped. You know, and he manages to get them back, yes, but even when his family isn't being kidnapped, David's home life is hardly a peaceful one. You know, there was, there was physical abuse taking place in his home. There was sexual abuse. There was rape and incest taking place among his children. There was fratricide. One of his, his sons killed his own brother another one of David's sons. And even though he was by 
uh, all accounts a, a very good and benevolent king. There were also, over the course of his reign, at least three attempts to violently overthrow him, two of which were from his own children. At least three of his children died before him. And all of this is not even including the troubles that befell him that were of his own making, because although he was a passionate pursuer of God who, who repented of his sin, he was at different times in his life a liar, an adulterer, a murderer, who, who suffered some punishment, yes, but, but also just some of the natural consequences of his sin. His life was filled with all sorts of ups and downs. But this, however, is, is the same man who wrote these amazing faith-filled words that we hear now, today. In fact, uh, to him are, are attributed um, almost half of the, of the psalms, too. Um, and, and although some of these psalms are crushing laments, there is almost without exception a strong element of hope and of thanks in it. David took every opportunity to be thankful. I mentioned before, my grandmother, too, was like this. Um, she was a, a thanksgiving person all the way to the end. Um, toward the end of her life, she lived to be 99. She was, she was not at all well, though, physically toward the end particularly in the last year or so of her life. Um, she was in and out of the hospital for a few different things. Um, but in particular, she got um, an infection in her foot and had to have her toe amputated. And they did that. And then um, it was only after that they, they found that the infection had already spread, and so they had to amputate further up. And it happened once again, too. And... and and I don't mind telling you, I was really, really mad at God. My thinking was, you know, okay, Lord, she's, she's 99 years old, so if you have to take her, then, then take her. But don't you dare take her a piece at a time like this. And I prayed it with much that tone, too. Um, but I'll tell you something else. Whenever, even in the midst of that, I phoned her and asked her how she was doing. She, lives in, she lived in Bermuda. And whenever I asked her how she was doing, her inevitable response was, I am thankful. And this wasn't, this wasn't just some glib remark, nor was it an unthinking mechanical response, you know, after the fashion in which so many of us say, oh, fine, when somebody asks how we are. This was, this was the thoughtful, considered, deep gratitude of a woman who had made a lifetime spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. What I learned from the life of David and what I learned from the life of my grandmother is that thanksgiving needn't be flippant, nor need it be just some sort of sunny optimism or a, just a, a decision to look on the bright side. Rather, thanksgiving is something that's the result of a fierce, dogged determination to, regardless of the circumstances, look to God and recognize him as the source of every good and perfect gift. Um, let me lead us in a, a prayer of thanksgiving, just as, as we close, and the, the band is going to come up, and we'll, we'll close with a song. But um, Let's pray.
Most high, most powerful, good Lord, to you belong praise, glory, honor, and all blessings. Praised be my Lord God with all his creatures. Thank you for the sun who brings us the day and brings us the light. Fair is he and shines with a great splendor. Lord, he signifies you. Praise be my Lord for our sister the moon and for the stars which he has set clear and lovely in the heavens. Praised be my Lord for our sister the wind and for air and clouds, calms and all weather by which you uphold life and all creatures. Praised be my Lord for our brother the water which is very serviceable and humble and precious and pure. Praised be my Lord for our brother the fire, through whom you give us light in the darkness and warmth in the cold. And he is bright and pleasant and very mighty and strong. Praised be my Lord for our mother the earth, who sustains us and keeps us and brings forth various fruits and flowers and many colors. Praised be the Lord for his holy salvation by which he reckons us to himself. And praise and bless the Lord. May he give us grace to give thanks to him and serve him with great humility. Amen.